Amen. Welcome to Connect Church this morning. We are so honored to have you guys here with us today. Those of you that are tuning in, watching online, uh, we got a bunch of folks, I think, from uh, the bands that are driving back, uh, maybe, or sleeping in this morning. Uh, we're so thankful that you overcame the... Uh, I'm not going to lie, when I got up this morning... I really did have a thought in my head, and I know it's the devil, but it was uh, it just like today would be a great day to sleep in. Uh, so, man, I'm thankful that you overcame that temptation, uh, and then it hit me. You got to go because you're the preacher. So anyway, so I'm glad that you guys chose to come, and uh, we're honored that you guys are here, and uh, we, we can't wait. I, I believe God's got a word for you all today. Uh, we are going through the Gospel of Luke, uh, God's plan. For those of you that are new to our church, uh, we do something really radical and, and crazy here is we just preach through the Bible. And so we believe the Word of God is sufficient for everything that you have, and we literally go verse by verse through the Bible, and uh, that's all we do is we believe that that's the answers that you guys are looking Looking for, and we believe that God's going to give you uh, another piece of that today. Uh, and, and man, I want you to stay to the end. Do not, if you're watching online, you don't want to snooze off here. Uh, you want to make sure because I promise you the end's going to tie all this together. But we're talking about the subject and how cool is it that in the Gospel of Luke, and we're on this journey for how many years of going through the Gospel of Luke, that we would wind up in this chapter on Halloween weekend talking about fear, fears on our mind, all that kind of stuff's going on, and we're going to learn today that Jesus is going to address in the paragraph that we're going to unpack for you right where we would be at, and he's going to un unpack for you today what you really should be afraid of, but you're not, and what you're wasting your life on being afraid of, and what's killing you. We're going to unpack for you how to change that how to redirect that, and so you want to listen. Today's going to be different. It's going to be good, and uh, we, not that every week's not good. That didn't sound right. All right, anyway, and so we want to share with you today a uh, message on really understanding what we should be afraid of. Now, it's Halloween weekend, and we got trunk or treat tonight, uh, all of this stuff going on. You just can't start this message off, and, and you're going to hear about fear in the passage today, so I think we just need a little music to set the mood. So, all right. So what are you really afraid of? <laughs> and I know right now you're thinking it's the preacher. <laughs> uh, so what are you guys really <laughs> afraid of? And uh, what, uh, what, just shout it out real quickly. What are, uh, what are some things that you guys are really afraid of? Darkness, all right, darkness. Uh, Adam used to say, this is why you're, he were always his favorite, Adam used to say that he's not scared of the darkness, it's what's in the dark, okay? All right, somebody else, what are you afraid of? What? Well, that's because you're, anyway, uh, all right, so I get it, all right, hi, see, I don't get that one, so I, I can hang offside of a building, it bothered me. All right, what else are you afraid of? I do what, somebody over here? Of what? Snakes, yeah, snakes, that's, yeah, that's going to be on our list, somebody else? Okay, what else? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. <laughs> well, if you get your heart right. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, and the anger. All right, uh, so all these things, believe it or not, some moron in the first service said, afraid of my wife. Uh, anyway, and so uh, just pray for that guy because he, he, he was hurt on the way out. Anyway, uh, so what are you afraid of? Well, here's what we do. If you're a uh, Gen Z, um, you know, whatever y'all are in the younger crowd, uh, you know, if I ask you the question, what are you afraid of? You go, I don't know. I have to Google it. So we Googled it, and uh, here's what we have. 
have is the top 10 things that Americans are afraid of. Here we go. Uh, all right, we got the list up. Uh, I'm going to stop right there. So tr uh, try, I don't even know how to say that, uh, the fear of holes. Now that one tripped me up, pardon the pun, uh, is that, uh, is there anybody in here that's fear of holes? Are you really? No way. You're the only, uh, so I did not know that existed, so... Sink. Okay, well, I didn't mean to get in your area. Okay, sorry. Whatever you are. <laughs> Jeez. I've known Matt and Jennifer for a long time. I have never seen her get that emotional. Uh, so this is a real fear. Whatever you do, Matt, do not take her to the Grand Canyon. Do not take her to the Grand Canyon. Uh, she will wig out on you. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that was a big deal. All right. Uh, some of these others, you know, I don't get you off. No, whoa, we'll stop there. Number seven, this is what I've got a problem with Google. Because whoever the morons that made this list, I'm telling you right now, unequivocally, this is number one. Because if you've ever ridden on an elevator, it is nothing but a coffin going up and down. You will die inside of an elevator. They have no air. It is legitimate. Literally, small boxes, small places will kill you. That's why God made steps. Uh, claustrophobia is real. Uh, this is why I will never pastor a small church. All right, anyway. Yeah, that one, uh, we'll talk about that lifting in. Uh, oh, all right, uh, wait, wait. So, cynophobia, all right? I didn't know this one existed. Is there really anybody in here scared of dogs? You got cynophobia? All right, I got one or two. <laughs> I just wanted to see y'all run out. All right, anyway. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, some of y'all. All right, uh, there we go. There you go, Christy. All right, have heights. And then, all right. So number, go ahead and put number one up, too. All right, number one, is, that's a moron. All right, number two is, now this is legitimate. Now, seven should be one is my problem. And then oh, that word, uh, fear of snakes. All right, I got news for you. If you came to this church looking for a preacher that handles snakes, you need to go on him because I ain't touching any snakes. Uh, and so I am not a snake handling preacher. Uh, there are the devil. All right, and so uh, I'm out on snakes, too, whoever said that one. But I've got my own list. So the first one involves you. This is what you should fear if you miss church next Sunday. <laughs> so if you miss... <laughs> I'm not going to lie, that really did send a cold chill down my side. <laughs> It's too tall for Tanner. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so yeah, that was, that was really creepy. Uh, so <laughs> I don't even know what I was preaching on now. Uh, so uh, just know that if you miss church next Sunday, there's going to be a creepy preacher standing out in your neighborhood. All right, all right. And then this is the greatest one that breaks my heart. I'm not going to kid, lie to you. I, I wept over this. Okay, so this one is my greatest fear. That was such a tragedy. All right, now I got you in the mood and the mind of understanding what our greatest fears are. So let me ask you again this morning, so what do you fear? And we want to make this personal. We always do here at Connect Church. So again, I want you to be thinking, Holy Spirit, what do you fear? Now here is the challenge uh, and, and the next question that, that follows this. So what is your greatest fears, and how do you handle them? Generally speaking, you're going to handle them one of three ways. You're running from them. Some of you pretend that they don't exist, and so you just deny reality. And then some of you 
that are really weird, you celebrate them. You love this whole weekend thing, and so you celebrate your fears. I don't get you, but hey, that's you. Uh, that's exactly the same kind of crowd that Jesus was dealing with in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to learn what the Heavenly Father has to say about fear. And he's going to teach the crowd, it is disciples specifically, that the need is to run to him when you're afraid. And again, you want to hang on to the end of this message because we're going to show you what that looks like, and it's probably why you're not getting discipleship down in your life like you should. There are things in our life that we worry about that cannot destroy us uh, in the focus on eternity, and yet we worry about those kind of things versus the things that we should worry about. Now, this is going to shock some of you that are, you know, live in your little bubble world, but the truth is, is God wants you to be fearful of some things. Matter of fact, that's what the title of the message is today, is we're going to learn the real things that God wants you and your family to be afraid of. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to dive and unpack what that literally looks like. So Jesus is looking towards the future. Uh, He is understanding that there's a large crowd gathered around him. Now, scholarship tells us the context of Luke 12 is simply this, probably 1,200 to 2,000 people have gathered to celebrate Jesus. It's in that final week of his life, and uh, you remember the Hosanna, and they're praising him, and King Jesus, and they're all up in his business. It's all good, but Jesus is able to see, because he is the Son of God, what's going to happen five days later. This very multitude and crowd is going to turn on him, and they're going to be dominated, are you listening to me, by their fears. Their fears of what Jesus is saying. Their fears of losing control, the Pharisees of their power. Their fears of losing their religion, and they're going to turn on Jesus. And by the end of this week, what Jesus is addressing in the text is you same people, driven and dominated by your fears, will turn on me, you will curse me, you will chant, crucify him, crucify him, and you will nail my broken, bruised body, bloody body, to a cross. All because of their fears will drive them to destroy the very God who came to save them. Could you imagine people being foolish to run away from the God who came to help them because they were fearful? And so this morning, yeah, we're landing there. Jesus will address us about the real things that you should be fearful of. As a matter of fact, he's going to cover one of them that I get one of the most questioned about. He says you should be fearful of blasphemy, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack what that looks like. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? It's a little bit longer text, and, um, and if you're at home, do the same thing. All right, uh, here's what he says in verse 1. Except for you, Jacob. You're good, dude. Okay. All right. So that uh, just hurts me to look. All right. In the meantime, but thank you for being here, man. That's awesome. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, Whatever you said in the dark 
shall be heard in the light. And what you've whispered in the private room shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, now notice where we're going with the text, how it fits into the title, do not fear those who kill the body, and after having nothing more than they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he was killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are there not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and none of them is forgotten by, uh, before God? And why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? F fear not, for you're all more value than any sparrows. I love the hair comment. Verse 8. But I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you. That's what we're going to do today in the very hour of what you want to say. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Jesus calls people to discipleship in this paragraph. He's saying the first measure of discipleship is what the Old Testament says, fear God. Here's what Dr. Daryl Bach, a great uh, New Testament uh, Greek scholar, here's how he interprets this text, and this is really the goal of the message today and what we do here at Connect Church as well. A true disciple, take a picture of this, write it down in your notes. A true disciple looks to God and comes to follow him. And then this is the key, what we do here at Connect Church. Knowing God means we have nothing to fear. So this is why you guys come. Because you want to understand who God is, why he created you, quit running from him, quit making the mistake of the Pharisees and the hypocrites. And because we get to know God, we realize he takes out the fear as we walk confidently with him, discipleship. This is why we tell you guys, get involved in a small group that helps you get through the week that you're going through, all of the hell that the devil unleashes on you. We're going to help you get to know God better in discipleship, connect groups, and we're going to teach you on Sunday how to know and walk confidently with him. So with that said, what does that look like for today's message? So the large, crowd, the large crowds had gathered, and, uh, and they were impressive, but Jesus was not impressed by them. Matter of fact, Jesus is going to teach them. He's saying, I'm not trying to build large crowds. What I try to tell you all the time, if I was trying to build a large church here, I would not preach and yell at you all the way I do. I know how to get a crowd, but my job is not to get a crowd. My job is to make disciples of Jesus, not of me. And so Jesus says, I'm not impressed by the big crowd. Matter of fact, what I want you to know, and this is why we love you guys, the greatest thing that I can do for you, you come to this church, we're going to put your name in the directory, and I'm going to pray over you every single week. Because the truth is, all hell is going to be unleashed in your life. The devil's going to do his best to, to take you and your family down. Uh, I had folks walking in today sharing with me prayer requests. You know, this family in our church, they said, you know, this family's struggling, this family's struggling, this one's splitting up, and all this stuff. This is why we fight hell for you guys, because you need your backside in church. You you need Jesus to fight for you instead of losing this battle over your kids and your marriage. Everything else that you're afraid of, everything else that you're freaking out and worried about can be answered by Jesus. And so we're going to teach you how to go into the enemy's territory and defeat him. I want you to picture it like this. 
Let's just say, here's a good illustration of what this text is teaching us today. Jesus, let's say that he decided that he's going to talk to the military. And so he took the very best of our top gun pilots. And he says, we've got a mission for you. We're going to go and fly into enemy territory. And, and you're going to go in there, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to be so dangerous, and, and it's going to be so radical that we're going to fly into the enemy territory, and you're going to be terrified, and I'm going to teach you in this Top Gun training what it's like and what, how dangerous it is. But hang on, because Maverick, I mean Jesus, is going to teach you uh, that we can win this battle, and we can overcome, and we can win this thing, but you've got to listen to me. You've got to know truth in your heart and life. I really worked hard to get the whole movie thing. Have you guys never been to the movies? All right, anyway, and so here we are. Is He's teaching us today how to battle the enemy. And again, this is what we're wanting to walk confidently with him. So here's three commands. Get out your notes real quickly. We're going to dive right into it uh, at the beginning here today. Three commands to knowing what we really should be afraid of and what not to worry about. Number one, be aware of living as a hypocrite. Jesus explains the dangers in this paragraph of hypocrisy. The main problem that the Pharisees had, and, and let me give you a little background for those of you that aren't churchy people, you've never read the Bible, we love you coming to our church, we love seekers here, so let me just tell you who the Pharisees are in this story. They were a group of Dr Jewish religious leaders who, after about 400 or 500 years of Babylonian captivity had so co-opted the law of God and corrupted it and they had made it so hard for you to be a good Jew that only the elite superior people were allowed to go into the temple and everybody else was beat down everybody else was told how sorry you were and literally I just can't imagine living in a country where religion had lifted up certain people were better than everybody else and everybody else wasn't worthy. Could you imagine religion doing something like that? And so the Pharisees had determined, I'm better than you. I'm better than you because I, don't, I dress better than you. I wear a suit to preach. I do all these things. So they determined what made a good Christian by all the legalism and by all the hypocrisy. And the truth of the matter is, is everybody had just sort of bought into it. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus says in the text. He says that beware, look at verse 3. He says, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In other words, this is like, it's like, a, it's like leaven with a bread it just spreads everywhere and he said that's what hypocrisy does and we get used to it now here's the danger of becoming like everybody else and that some of you do so well and we do really well in this country and we really do it well in the Baptist church is I'm more worried about what Mark thinks about me than what I am Jesus thinks about me and that will catch on do you realize the end goal of hypocrisy though I think it's going to be the saddest people at judgment day because at Judgment Day, God's not going to be impressed, Brooks, with how many Sunday school classes you taught. He's not going to be impressed with how self-righteous you were But my mom and dad. He's not going to be impressed with any of that. You see, you're banking on the wrong thing, and it's going to cost you eternity if you think you can be good enough to get in. Um, any of you play the lottery? Don't put your hands down. You're in a Baptist church. Jeez, man, I got to coach you guys better. 
You're supposed to do it in secret. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, sort of. And so, uh, so here's how it goes out if you imaginary play the lottery. None of you guys know this. And so you're sitting in front of the television, and the lady comes on there, and she starts reading off the numbers. And she's going, you know, here's the lottery ball thingy tonight. Seven, four, and you're looking at your card. Some of you are getting way into this. All right, anyway, and you're looking at your card, and, and it's seven and four, three and 11. No, it wouldn't be 11. It would be one and one. Anyway, all right, anyway, and so, uh, and uh, one and one, and, and six, and then all of a sudden, it gets to the gold ball, and you're like, oh, and, and you can't even get it out of your mouth, but you're wanting to yell at your wife, uh, you know, and $30 million is on the line, and the gold ball drops down, and you got three on your car, and it drops down, and it's a two. And you're like, oh, man, I'm only one number away. So you run to the convenience store. Or some of y'all the liquor. Anyway, uh, and uh, so you run to the convenience store, and you run in. And uh, so for those that are not bad. Anyway, and so you run in, and uh, you're looking at your card, and you hold it up, and you tell them, listen, I'm only one number off from the 30 million. You know, where, what do I get? And the clerk looks at you, absolutely nothing. Get out of my store. And that's what it's going to be like for hypocrites and religious people who followed all the rules, who worried more about what everybody else thought. Look what I did. I gave $10 a week to the church. I sang in the choir. I taught whatever. And God's going to say, your righteousness is filthy rags because you rejected my son. And you will be cast out into utter darkness for all of eternity. And so Jesus warns the serious nature Look what he says in verse 2. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, what you said in the dark shall be heard in the light and what have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Jesus is saying, man, I'm telling you that all of the hypocrisy is going to be seen and, and everybody's going to be known about it. And, and one commentator said this really well and, and I think this is a good visual description of it. He said, you realize that when, that, that when you stand before God and you've lived your life as a fake, you've worried more about, I want people to come up and say, oh, bless her heart. She's just so loving she's so good and yet hell's going on in your house you are living in a nightmare you're the most miserable unhappy person at home and nobody but all you worry about is people patting you on the back at the church because you want to thank them you said one day we're going to stand before God and there's going to be two screens that literally and he's so dead right on this and he said God's going to be showing the you that went to church and the fake you and the hypocrite you and then on the other screen at the same time is going to be showing the real you and everybody's going to see the whole story of who you are ouch Here's what Dr. Charles Swindoll said, and I could just, I love this statement because he's an old school preacher, and you've got to be a pastor to think like this, but when he writes his commentary and we get to this part, Miss Marie, I'm thinking the preacher's coming out on him because he's getting fired up, and, and, and this is what he says, I am convinced that God would rather face a blunt, honest sinner than deal with an insincere, insincere that word, Christian who looks good, but in reality loves his or her sin, and, and I think that's what Jesus is confronting 
running here is he's saying, man, I'm telling you, hypocrisy will destroy you. It, it will rob you. And I'm telling you, you do not want to face the judgment of knowing that one day all of your sins are going to be exposed. Ladies and gentlemen, what you should fear is the fakeness of living your life to please your parents, of trying to have successful kids. Dare I say, we have sold ourselves in a generation. We've been so hypocritical even in the church. And I'm probably going to offend you here, but let's, let's go to it. When you decide that I'm more worried about my kids being successful, I'm more worried about my kids' fame, that when I'm raising my generation, are you listening to me? That what my kid has to be is my kid has to be popular, my kid has to graduate from Ole Miss and State because I want them to have a good job so that when they do graduate, they're going to go get a job and something else that they could have wasted all that money on. But anyway, and so all these things, but I want my kid to be on a ball team because you know everyone, I mean, I've been pastor here for 21 years and we've had at least 11 or 12 or none that have went to the major leagues. So I'm going to put make sure that all of my kids are famous and they're popular in sports because that's how they're going to be successful. And I got news for you. The hypocrisy of all of that is Jesus is saying you're worried about what everybody else thinks. You're trying to live up to some dream that doesn't matter. That's the stuff you've got to quit worrying about because in the end, it's all going to be exposed. Ben Johnson was a um, famous runner in the 1980s and so I know I'm old if you of you remember and I'll never forget the Olympics Ben Johnson was the pride of Canada Canada do we have anybody from Canada that's born from Canada here I, they don't get to be pr proud of a lot of athletes and so this was a big deal and they got the pride of Canada Ben Johnson is the star runner and it's the 100 meters the fastest man on the planet race and so it's the Olympics who was the fastest man in 1988? And the commentators, and I'll never forget, I remember it still, and uh, the race begins, and here's how it went, you know, blowing by everybody, and all of a sudden, it, the, they blow the, the gun, and here's the commentators. It's Ben Johnson! It's Ben Johnson! It's Ben Johnson! There's nobody else around him! And he smokes across the finish line. He ran the race faster than any man alive had ever ran the 100 meters. The announcers were going nuts. Nobody was even close to him. He blew everybody away. All of the other runners coming and celebrating him. The stands went nuts. All of Canada went nuts. We got the fastest, baddest dude on the planet. And then three days later, the blood test came out before the races and all the testing. And he was juiced. Steroid air. And not only did he lose his identity of the race, and he was declared as a loser, but they took his gold medal away. And he went back into his country, disgraced, never to appear again. It's a terrible thing. What you should be afraid of what you should be afraid of this morning is to fall into the hands of an angry God because you've done it your way and to be one day face his judgment. Number two, do not fear physical pain, but fear God. So many of you, 
and especially in the house of God today, we're talking to Christians here this morning now, are terrified of diseases, something bad happened to your kids, you can't sleep at night, and, and I hear and I hear you, I get it, I've got grandchildren, uh, and I get it, is that you're terrified of raising a kid, and you're thinking about, do we, should we even have a kid, because of, man, the world is screwed up, and we see that, uh, you know, all of the terrible stuff that's happening in our country and around the world, and it is frightening, I get it diseases and and all the other stuff and yet we we're hiding away and we're lit and jesus says it, i i don't want you, and i get it and, and we're terrified of all this stuff we're sort of uh <laughs> probably shouldn't do this but do you remember the guy in memphis a few years ago and this is how y'all are living in the church as well. You remember the guy in Memphis a few years ago when they had the shootings down uh, in, in his neighborhood, and all of a sudden they come on, they interviewed him, and he goes, they're killing everybody up in here. Hide your mama, hide your kids, hide your dog, hide everybody because they're killing everybody. Y'all remember that? Don't look at me and judge me. You all watched it too. <laughs> and that's exactly how y'all are living your lives. We're terrified that bad stuff's going to happen to our kids and, and we're living in fear and we don't go to church and, and somebody might get sick and all this stuff. And Jesus says, look what he says about this issue. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he's killed has the authority to cast you into hell. I tell you, fear him. So what Jesus is saying, if you do the literal translation in the Greek language here, he is saying, let me show you whom you should fear. Quit freaking out about all the problems of society, and I'm going to address how to live that way. He says, I'm telling you, I'm big enough to handle that. What you should be fearing is your relationship with me. If you were, for those of you that are not getting this and are still about control freaks, that your kids have got to be perfect and all this stuff, Jesus is saying, and this is important to get, because he's tired of y'all trying to be God of your lives. He's saying to you, do you remember when, <laughs> let me illustrate to you this way, uh, old school, Mark, all right, like you, all right, and so do you remember when we were growing up? Do you remember, I saw your dad uh, Friday night too, and so I forgot, I, I told him that I was going to talk about this. And so, um, uh, and uh, you remember when we were growing up, when Mark was growing up and Leanne, because they were always in trouble. And so, uh, when we were growing up, it's not far from true. Uh, and so, when we were growing up back in the day, do you remember how parents used to raise kids? All right, I need all of the Gen Zs and Millennials and Xs and all you guys that are parents right now, you guys need to take a deep breath because you're going to have panic right now. But when I was growing up, Here's what your parents would say. If you started whining about going outside, now here's the way it was in my day. Uh, we didn't uh, have video games. You're going, oh, I don't even know, what did you do? Uh, we went outdoors. And so when I was growing up, uh, we didn't even have video games. We got, eventually we got Pong, but that was, you know, dink, dink. Anyway, and so we, we didn't have video games, but here's what our parents would do. They would tell us, get out of the house and don't come back till dark. Am I right? And we played and we rode bikes. Um, you would ask my mom back in the day, where's Terry at? I don't know. Don't really care. If he don't come home by dark, we'll go send Laddie and we'll go, you know, uh, Lassie and go find him. But, but, but outside of that, they, that's really how we grew up. Y'all would freak out. They just let us go and we played till dark. And we came home. Sometimes we didn't. 
Anyway, and so what our parents would tell us back in the day is you come in and you go, it's too hot. I don't want to go outside today. I don't want to ride my bike today. Blah, 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 blah. And you remember the famous all-time lines? This is where you all, parents of today, go ahead and take a deep breath because you guys are going to lose your mind. Our parents would look at us. Get your butt outside or I'll give you something to whine about. Do you remember that? Quit whining or I'll give you something to whine about. How many times did your mom tell you that? Uh, and so uh, quit whining or I'll give you something. And I think what Jesus is saying in the text, he's saying you're worried about all this other stuff and you're freaking out, and you're honestly ruining your kids, and you're ruining your faith, and you're scared to death to be a Christian and stand up, and you're going to miss out on that, the power of the Holy Spirit to help raise your kids and to help you be a, a disciple of Christ, you're, and you're timid, and you're not coming, and you're not doing what you should be doing, and all the while, the devil's going to literally cause your family to die and go to hell. Why are we worried about the stuff that we cannot control. We're not God. And so he says to them, and here's the important part, do not fear people. Fear God, because he will hold all of people accountable for the evil they do. You let God take care of the evil. God's going to judge them one day. You keep living on mission, and you raise your kids to live on mission, and you send them out into the world so that we can help change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now's not a time for the church to huddle. It is time for us to go. Quit fearing the wrong things. But then all of a sudden, you see the mood in the room change. And Jesus, like, flips it over. And so for those of you that are just, like, blown away right now, you're not liking any of this, you're going to like this part of it. And Jesus is going to give you the other half. And so he gives you the hard stuff that we all need to hear, but now he's going to give us the gravy. All right, this is where it gets good. So notice with me, he says to them, he said in verse 6, For are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And none of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are more than uh, value than these sparrows. Now notice that phrase there, and I want you to underline it, that not one of them is forgotten before God. Let me give you this real quickly, because this is money. Here's what he's saying. Now, for again, for those of you that are not familiar with the Bible and Jewish customs, this is so paramount to understand the text. So back in the day, if you were a Jew, you were supposed to carry a lamb into the temple and to have a sacrifice for your sins. But there were a lot of Jews that were from Mississippi and that lived in this economy and they couldn't afford a lamb, for real. And so for the average Jew, they made a law and they just added it to it and they said, if you can't afford a lamb, and most of them couldn't, the cheapest animal that they had was a sparrow. It's a little flimsy bird, and the translation in the original language there is talking about this little bird that has almost no meat on it, as of, and literally pennies. So what you would do if you were poor, and most people were in the day, is you would take a couple of pennies, you would pay as you went into the temple, Mike, for a couple of sparrows out of the cage, and you would take them, and you would give them to the priest. And Jesus is saying, do you not understand 
that I care about the sparrows that are being sacrificed for your sins. I have not forgotten the sparrows. I know the sparrows by name. And if I love and take care about a sparrow, the cheap little bird, how much more do I care about you? So quit worrying about your family. Quit worrying about all the world coming to an end. Quit worrying about all the stuff because I care about you. I know you by name. I got you. I got you. Put your trust in me. Wow, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Jesus says, I got you, and I love that. So now what he says, as we wrap all this up, here's what the fear of the right thing looks like in your life and mine. Believe and confess the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, this is what I want you to fear. What is the greatest sin of all. Let me ask you that again this morning. What is the greatest sin of all? Wendy, who got baptized in first service, gave me permission to share this. And she came to us a few weeks ago, and she sat in our home and across the table from Lynn and I, and she just said, Pastor Terry, she said, all these years I've been struggling with my religion and and all the guilt of my past, and, and she get, you know, I was taught that you got to be good enough to, to join the church, and, and she goes, I'm never good enough, and with tears streaming down her face, she said, but you've been yelling at me, and she said, you've been preaching at me and telling me for a year now, she said that Jesus has made me good enough, and she said, it just hit me one Sunday when you were yelling and screaming again, and it finally got through to me that Jesus has made me worthy, and she said, I'm here, and she put her hands on the table, and she says, I want you to baptize me because I'm still not good enough, but Jesus has made me good enough, so let me ask you, what is keeping you from being obedient to God? Why are you at home? Why are you running from the church? Why are you wanting to run away from your faith? What is beating you up about your past that you can't get over? So let me ask you, what is the one sin that God cannot forgive? What's the one sin that God cannot forgive? Is it to be a child rapist? Is it to be a murderer? Is it to be a drunk? What is it? The one sin that Jesus cannot forgive. Let's look to Scripture. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Dr. Bach, again, is on point here. Here's what he says. Speaking an evil word about Jesus refers to a specific rejection at that moment. We've all been there. We've all, at one time or another, rejected Jesus Christ in a moment. But here's the key. While rejecting the testimony of the Holy Spirit refers to a permanent rejection of the message of salvation. In essence, what Jesus is saying is that the only thing that the God the Father will not forgive is when you and I choose not to believe in His Son. The only thing that we cannot be forgiven of, I don't care how dark your life's been, I don't care how messed up, I don't care what happened to you, Jesus can forgive all of it. The only thing He cannot forgive is when you choose not to believe. So why are you listening to the liar? The only thing that can send you to hell is when you choose to walk away from his son and the sacrifice he offered you, that's it. That is 
the unpardonable sin. When the Holy Spirit compels you, you need to come and follow me, and you reject it. That's what he's saying. That is the unpardonable sin. I wish our connect groups were meeting tonight because that would be a great discussion to delve into and dive deep on tonight. But here's the thought of you and I. You and I today can change the unpardonable sin. Here's what he says in verse 8. And I tell you that everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. In other words, if we just confess him, again, let me ask you, do you fear God? The one thing that you need to be afraid of today is not all the other stuff that's freaking you all out. The one thing is to fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and eternal life. And here's the statement, and this is the essence of the message. To fear him means to respect his presence, trust in his care, and not worry about how others react to us. I love that. That's what we're taking away today. That's it. It means to respect his presence, trust his care, and not worry about how others re react to us. So what does Jesus teach us about how to fear these right things? There's three ways that for this to happen in your life and mine. Number one, if you're a hypocrite, confess it. If you're a hypocrite and you're living your life to please others and you're worried about everything else and trying to live that dream, the American dream, confess it. Number two, if you're living in fear of all the wrong things, redirect it. So, so many of you guys are just terrified about living life and you're on this level plane. It needs to go vertical. You need to stop letting the devil rob you of your courage to bring back the, the courage to, to do the right things and to follow God like you need to be is you've got to redirect it. And now, here's the thing. Let me ask you this question this morning so you guys get this. And, and let me ask you, we're in a conservative, Bible-believing, fundamental church, all that stuff that you want to rectify. So let me ask you this question. All right, y'all with me this morning? Y'all paying attention? How many of you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? All right, you with me this morning? I, I want to hear you guys say it. Do you really believe it? How many of y'all believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? How many of y'all believe that he rose again on the third day and the tomb is empty? Are you with me this morning? All right. So you believe in the power of the resurrection. So why in the world are you afraid of what's going to happen to you in this life? Now here's the point. I want you to get this. If Jesus died in our place, why don't we let him live in our place? It's what Andrew preached on last week about taking up the mat. If Jesus died in your place, do y'all believe that? Y'all just said you did. Then why in the world are you freaking out over everything that's going on in your life? Let Jesus live in the place. Let Jesus live in the place. You can trust him. He's got this. He's got this. If you're worried about it, pray about it. So here's how we close this down. <clears throat> you remember, well, let me tell you my story. So whenever um, we were living out on Auburn Road for years, 13 years in Morville, we had three little boys, for those of you who don't know our family, and uh, we were raising our family in Auburn Road, Auburn Road and right here in this community, in the uh, Morville community. And um, we had a house, and it was a big old house, three kids. We wanted them far away from us as we could get them. And, um, 
If you live in North Mississippi, you'll relate to this. All seemed like every week there was a storm coming through. And if you lived in Mississippi, there's a tornado every other week. And so storms would blow in. And uh, back in those days, it was, uh, who's the old guy? Dick Rice, is that right? So, uh, so yeah, uh, so, so believe it or not, we had a weatherman before Matt. Anyway, and so uh, Dick Rice was the old weather guy on WTVA, and he's on there, and, you know, and, uh, I don't know. Anyway, and so it, this is the way it would play out on a, more than one occasion. As the boys were little, and, um, and I think this is what it's like and what Jesus was trying to say to us. A storm would come in. And uh, it'd start lightning, it'd start, you know, thunder bellowing, and, and then all of a sudden the power would go off. And the wind, you could just hear that old house, and it was creaking. And all of a sudden, about 2 o'clock in the morning, Ernie, <laughs> happened every storm. All of a sudden, Aaron was in the farthest end of the house, and he was always the most terrified of everything, his own shadow. And, uh, and so 2 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden the storm, power goes off, lights are out, you just... You'd hear little footsteps running down that long, out of his bedroom and out of the kitchen and down that dark hallway. Couldn't see a thing. And then all of a sudden, somebody would yell for Andrew, and uh, he thought they never called his name, but he would run out of the you know, middle bedroom, and, and all of a sudden you'd hear those little feet run down the hallway, Kena, and then all of a sudden we had to yell at Adam because he was, you know, Adam. Anyway, and so, and we'd hear Adam run, and he was right next to our bedroom, and he'd run out into our bedroom. And before we knew it, with the wind howling, Lightning, thunder, all the noise and chaos going on. Before we knew it, there were three bodies in our bed. <laughs> and three little boys would dive into that bed. And, man, they were just like, Mom and Dad, what's going on? And they were, you know, all of it. Well, Aaron was crying. Uh, and anyway, and so they were just terrified. And, and they were just like, you know, this, they, this is the worst thing ever. Now, it got really creepy and weird when they were 17, but no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, but, uh, but uh, they, when they were little, just, I really am kidding, don't call. All right, anyway, and so these three little boys would just pile into our bed at night. And now here's what happened, though, James, is these three little boys would crawl into bed, and, and they were terrified, and Mom and Dad make it go away. Now, you, are you listening? We never once stopped the lightning. We never once stopped the thunder. We never once turned the power back on. It was out of our control. But to our three boys, Jim, they could care less. Because when they got into that bed, you know what happened 30 seconds after they snuggled up with us and we wrapped our arms around them? They didn't care anymore, Danny. You know what, we're gonna go to sleep, and they did. Because mom and dad's got this. This is too big for us. Mom and dad's got this, and you know what they did? They fell fast asleep and never woke up the rest of the night. Now, here's the thing. Belinda and I did not change the storm. We did not change all the chaos that was going on around them. All they did is put their confidence in us. And ladies and gentlemen, you all keep trying to do God's job. You keep trying to control the storms. And I got news for you. You cannot stop the evil from being around us. But you can run to the one who can protect you. You can run into the arms of the only one that can save your kids, can save your lives, and save your souls. His name is Jesus. Jesus. His name is Jesus, and he's the only one that should be feared. Now the question is this morning, are you going to run to Jesus as we stand?
Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.